0: What are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, the disciples, they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for all of us today. We're very thankful that you all have chosen to be here at Huguenot Road this morning. We are, if you're new to us, in the third part of a six-part message series based on a little book by Dr. Tom Rainer called I Am a Church Member. And we're taking a look, a fresh look, at what it really means to be a member of a church. Uh, A lot of times in our culture today, that can be skewed. And so we're kind of getting back to some of the very basic fundamentals of what it means to be a biblical church member. And the series also undergirds and supports the churchwide Emphasis on spiritual gifts that we launched last Sunday in our Sunday school ministries as we go through that process. We're really excited about that. It is sad, though, that many in our culture today, outside of the church, see church members as people who are closed minded, argumentative, judgmental, hypocritical, and there's lots of other things. There's a great little book by an author named, and a pastor named Dan Kimball that says they like Jesus, but they don't like the church, meaning they like everything that Jesus stands for and everything Jesus says that he is, who he is, but they don't like the church people. And so we, we really want to take a look at that and and try to help change those perceptions that people may have of church members. And there, if, if we're real honest, if we're real honest, if I'm honest, there are church members who look at church membership as just the ticket to heaven? You know, I've got, I joined the church, and that's really all I need to do, and I've got my eternity secure. While we do believe that when we profess our faith in Christ that we are saved for all eternity, there is much more to a salvation experience than just being a member of a church. Sometimes we Christians, even though with the best of attentions, uh, exclude others, and we get close-minded, and sometimes we even look at the, the church as a place where we can gain some power or authority or, or have some control. And, and if we really look at what Jesus says, it's not about any of that. It's about putting God first and others first and that we are last. And then he says, when we are last, then we are first. He puts a twist on this whole concept. So quick review, in week one we talked about what it means to function as a church member, be an active, functioning part of the body of Christ, which is the church. Last Sunday we spoke about how important it is to be unified as a body. We said that unity is vital to the witness of the church, to the communities around us, and it is also vital to the health of a church. And we said that healthy churches grow and multiply, It's just a a natural outpouring of church health and church unity. Today we're going to see how our attitudes also need to have an adjustment at times. And how we need to focus less and less on ourselves and more and more on God. Less and less of me, more and more of Jesus. Less of me, more of Jesus. We can all remember that. Less and less of me, more and more of Jesus. But this is hard in our culture for, uh, I would say, since the 50s. Onward, especially into the 70s, 80s, and today, we've been in a very consumeristic culture. Uh, People want things and they want it their own way. Some of you may remember the old advertising slogan from days gone by from Burger King that said, what? Have it your way. You could go there and you could get your Whopper however you wanted it. It didn't come in a certain way. And you could get it with or without whatever you you know you did or did not like. And how often do we in this sort of consumer mindset think church should be that way? Today, we know that there's a lot of pressure around us to be thinking like consumers. And even after a worship service or hearing the pastor's sermon... Sometimes we could even become like the judges on American Idol or Dancing with the Stars. Nine, eight, seven. And not even take anything home with us. I believe that we will not experience true joy when things are about us, when it's inwardly focused we will not experience the joy that God intends for us to experience as believers. I believe that authentic church members are willing to put their personal preferences aside for the cause of the gospel. In other words, we need to be flexible. And I brought a rubber band with me. I don't know if you can see it. Just pray that it don't pop my finger uh, too bad. Uh, But if you think about a a rubber band, uh, we're kind of like them. Uh, We're created to be flexible. This rubber band does its job when it flexes. I think we're like that. I think that God wants us to be flexible. And sometimes we have to put our own wants and desires aside for the cause of the gospel so that other people can come to know and experience God. It reminds me of that song by Big Daddy Weave. The lyrics go like this. It's called It's All About You. It's not about me, it's all about you, it's not about my pride, it's all about your truth. And so right here from the start, I open up my heart and say, Lord, here's every part, because it's all about you, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about Jesus. Less and less of Bob, more and more of Jesus. Less and less of me, more and more of Jesus. And I think this is what was happening in the minds of the disciples as they were walking along the road. Jesus heard what they were saying, and then he had to sit down and teach them this concept of, Guys, it's not about us. It's not about who's the greatest. It's about being humble and putting yourselves last. Jesus was preparing for Jerusalem. He had turned his face to Jerusalem if you see the same account in the Gospel of Luke in the ninth chapter. And even after modeling humility and servanthood to the disciples, they were continually arguing over who was the greatest, which one was the greatest. It's like Pastor Amanda said in the children's message today, there are some people who always want to be first. They've always got to be at the front of the line. They always want everything and push others out. And Jesus is trying to hammer this home with the disciples. And if we look at what he says in verse 33, as they came to Capernaum when he was in the house, he he said, what are you arguing about? Guys, what are you arguing about? They were busted. The Greek word that we translate as arguing is dialogizomai. Dialogizomai. It's where we get the word dialogue. They were arguing along the way. And Jesus, he knew their minds anyway, so they couldn't hide anything. Perhaps they didn't think that he was hearing them because he might not have been right shoulder to shoulder. And they were arguing over who was the greater, who was the megas in the, the Greek word. Who was megos. and And then Jesus says to them, if you look back at your Bible, In verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and he says, if anyone wants to be first, protos, number one, if you want to be first, if you want to be number one, he must be the very last and servant of all. If you want to be first, you must be last and servant. And the word translated servant is diakonos. If you're a deacon in our church, you know exactly what that means. Diacanas is where we derive the word deacon in the English. It means to serve. It means to wait tables, literally, or to walk through the dust. Diacanas. Jesus says if you want to be number one, you've got to change your whole outlook on this, this whole ministry and this whole life, and you must be last and you must serve others. Jesus saw everything the disciples did. He heard everything they said. He even knew their thoughts. And sometimes I think, well, maybe that's not the case today because he's not right here with me. But then, oh, it is the case. Because Jesus does see everything that I do. He knows my thoughts. He hears what I say. And I have to keep that in the front of my mind as I live life and I seek to serve be an example uh, to my family and to all of you and to those who are in the community. All we do and say is in His presence. Tom Rainer in his little book says, we will not find true joy when we are constantly seeking our way, but we will find the greatest joy when we choose to be last. True joy, he says, means giving up our rights and preferences and then serving everyone else giving up our rights and preferences, and serving everyone else. It's a beautiful concept. So I believe that in order to do that, there needs to be, in my life, and perhaps you might think the same way as I, a shift from me to we. Less and less of me, more about Jesus and His church. Steps from a me attitude to a we attitude. Because we live in a self-centered world, or I would say that we live in a Selfie-centered world, right? I mean, you you don't have to raise your hand, but how many in the last 24 hours have taken a new selfie or posted a new cover picture on your Facebook or whatever? Right? Here we go. We live in a selfie-centered world, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Here's some statistics. I read an article online that said last summer, Google did some research. Only in Android technology, not including Apple, just just the Google-based platform of Android technology, 14% of selfies are digitally enhanced. 36% have admitted to altering their selfies. Selfies. 34%, over a third of men, said they retouch every selfie. Just 13% of women admit the same thing. And over 50% of men and 52% of women have taken a selfie. And selfies make up over almost a third of every photo, digital photo uh, taken online and posted between people ages 18 and 24. We are a selfie-centered world. And I'm, you know, I take selfies, and I think social media is fun if it's used appropriately. I'm not being critical. I'm just making a statement that we are very concerned about what people think of us, and often we're checking that thing to see how many likes we have. And if we're not careful, we can become consumed with that about what other people think about us. And it's, it becomes more and more about me, me, and less and less about other people. So we have to find some balance there. So the first step in developing a we attitude is to get over yourself, E. Okay? And there's a wonderful story in the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter. You remember it, where the younger son says, Dad, I would like to have my share of the inheritance. And the father gives it to him. He goes off to a foreign land and he squanders all of the money. And then he comes to his senses and he decides to come back home to his father and to apologize and see if his father will put, employ him back on the farm and maybe give him shelter and food. And that's what happened. The father was overjoyed that he came back. But the older brother was indignant. The older brother was terribly argumentative and upset that the father paid this much attention to the son who had gone off and squandered all of the, the, the inheritance. And so the older son hears that the party is getting ready to happen, and he talks to the servant, and the servant gives him the lowdown. And the older son was not going to the party. He's not going to go in. The father comes out. Son, you know, what's the deal? Why won't you come to my party? And the son scolds the father for being generous and for being welcoming and all of these things that were happening throwing a party for the younger son. And then the father looks at the older son and says, look, this is verse 31, look, dear son. Kids, have your parents ever said that to you? (laughs) Look. I remember my, you know, my dad. Look. And then he'd give me the look. Look, dear son, you and I are very close and everything I have is yours. But it's time to celebrate for he is your brother. He was dead and he's come back. He was lost and now he has been found. Get over your selfie. <laughs> this, this is my very loose translation. But I can imagine the, the father is saying that to the older son. You need to get over your, yourself because your, your brother's home now. And we need to be celebrating. Come to the party. The second way to move to a, a we attitude is to have a heart for others. If you're taking notes, to have a heart for others, and we see this in the parable of the good Samaritan. The you know the the story you're familiar with it. The man is beaten by robbers and left on the side of the road for dead, and two religious people pass by, and the third who comes as a Samaritan and stops to help. And the Bible says, Luke writing, a Samaritan traveled the road, came to the man. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He had compassion on him. So when our heart goes out to someone else, we can't help but to be other-focused, loving neighbor. We can also take a towel, as you heard Matthew read in today's gospel lesson from the book of John. Jesus met with his disciples the evening before he was to die on the cross. And he took a towel and he washed their feet. And he said, verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I've given you example. You should do as I have done to you. And I thought about that passage. And then I remembered back in, the Gospel of Matthew, the seventh chapter, where Jesus said, "Do to others as you would have them what." Do to that's the golden rule, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. But in this case, Jesus says, "I have set you an example; as I have done to you, to, to you go do it." He's he, so there's not this as they would do to you. So perhaps Jesus is giving them this statement to help them not to want something in return when they go and they serve somebody. Yes, we are still to do to others as we would hope that they would do to us. But Jesus says, I've set you an example. Now, just go do it. Just go be a servant. Take a towel. And this and the other steps, I believe, get to the last step of going from a me attitude to a we attitude And that's simply to have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. The New King James says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, have the mind of Christ, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The NIV, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who became a servant and said I have set you an example now go do it you and I are called to be servants you and I are called to be obedient you and I are called to be to put others first you and I are called to do whatever it takes to keep the unity in God's church we are not called to have an attitude of entitlement or a me attitude we must always be asking what can I do for my church less and less of me, more and more about Jesus, then I believe we will experience the true joy of being first, and that means that we are last. In order to be first, we must be last and servant of all, because it's all about you, Jesus. Each Sunday we've been reading together a church membership pledge And I would invite you to join that with me as I read aloud. The words will be on the screen and they're in your bulletin as well. I am a church member. I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. That is self serving. I'm a member of this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that just aren't my preference or style. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me?